Well, regular listeners to this podcast and radio show know that uh, housing, I think, is a, ma- a massive issue and about to get uh, more extreme, more emotional, more challenges facing this country. That's why I'm so pleased to welcome uh, Dr. Mike P. Moffat. He's founding director of the Place uh, Center. He's also, you know, university assistant professor. He's so many other things that he's done, but here's the main thing. I think he's done the best work in this country on what's going on in the housing markets, the challenges there, the myths, uh, any possible solutions that we have there. Dr. Moffat, thanks so much for finding time for us. No, thank you for having me. Uh, let's start with, I mean, one of the things that worries me is this has become a very emotionally charged issue. I think it's going to get worse there. Maybe just sum up what you see the challenges are. Well, I, I think the biggest challenge is just not enough housing, that the population is growing faster than our our housing stock, um, which is causing all kinds of issues. So uh, our population of international students is, is growing. I used to be an international student. I am pro-international students. But what, what happens is when you don't build enough student housing, uh, you start to see investors buying up uh single-family homes and turning them into student rentals, which is completely understandable. Again, international students need somewhere to live, but that makes it difficult for first-time home buyers when you have entire neighborhoods you know, getting turned mm-hmm. into uh, student neighborhoods. The, the neighborhood I grew up in in London, Ontario, uh, is becoming one of those neighborhoods. And that's causing things to become emotionally charged. Uh, you know, I, as you mentioned, uh, I teach at a university. I've done so for the last 16 years, and I teach nothing but a fourth-year undergraduate. So I've spent the last 16 years hanging out with 22- and 23-year-olds. And this cohort is ready to burn down the system in a way that I haven't seen in my, my 16 years in the profession. You know, they, they're angry. They believe that they'll never be able to, to own a home, and they believe that Governments at all levels or all orders of governments are acting in somebody else's interest and not theirs. Such an important point you're making, and because that is my worry, is I think the societal impact, exactly as you say, I mean, when people can't find shelter and we look at the rents, I mean, I'm still blown away every month when I look at something like, you know, rents.ca or something and shows me the average price. I am. I'm blown away because those are after-tax dollars, and if, and I I'm one of those people. I'm lucky. I'm I'm not renting, but I sit back and I go, how is pe- how are people affording this? You know, young families or or anyone needing rental. I shouldn't have said that just that way, but you add on that the work visa issue. You know, uh, the new immigration numbers, uh, and they're not all the same thing. And I want people to be clear. I mean, I'm I'm with you. I am totally in favor of immigration, obviously, with an aging population, uh, with a pension system that relies on more people entering the workforce, you know, all of that stuff. But I'm astounding. They are astounded. They have done these things with any foresight about where are people going to live. It's not like some esoteric deep thought when people come, as you say, whether it's an international student or someone on a work visa or immigrating to our country, uh, they got to live somewhere. And I don't sense that there was much thought given at all about that. Yeah, and I think that's actually the core of the issue because one of the big questions people have for me is like, well, shouldn't, you know, shouldn't the market respond to this, right? Shouldn't there be some elasticity And I I think part of that challenge is that we haven't allowed the market to respond because we've made these decisions so rapidly and without much planning. So, you know, if we look at immigration, so this is permanent residencies, 
you know, the, the government will announce in November the target for the next year. <laughs> well, how are you supposed, you know, if they decide to increase it by 25, 30,000 or whatever they decide to increase it by, you know, how are city councils supposed to respond to that? How are apartment builders supposed to respond to that? You know, by the time they get shovels in the ground and approvals and so on, you're looking, you're looking five to 10 years out. So if we had a, a, a more sane system, for lack of a better word, you know, we would have these targets given five or 10 years in advance. Go, okay, this is, you know, in 2023, this is what we want things to be in 2028. Then that way, you know, city councils and provinces and builders could work up to that. You know, you recognize that there's always government change and governments might change directions. So there's always political risk, but that would be a way to go about it. And then we look at the other um the other forms of population growth, and that's things like international students, this is temporary foreign workers, there it's even more uncontrolled because there's no target. There's no limit. Mm. It's not like immigration and say, okay, we, we are setting a target for 300,000 or 400,000 international students. There it's more of a yes, no, where we allow the colleges and universities to decide how many, uh, how much they're going to increase enrollment. And the the federal government has basically just given sort of a yes, no of like, okay, yeah, you, you, you meet the criteria, you can come in, you can. So it's all dependent on, you know, other orders of government or uh, the higher education system. So there's this complete lack of coordination and it's made it impossible for uh, builders and cities to, to react quickly enough because we all know you're, you're not going to build a home overnight. So it's that lack of coordination, I think, is at the center of most of our problems. Astounding that we've been talking about issues. In this case, it's uh, affordable rents we could be talking about. But affordable housing is, is like the standard that politicians love to talk about. Then turn around and do things that will do anything but create affordable housing. Uh, I'm talking now at municipal levels and, uh, you know, and not all provinces are the same. But if you went out to British Columbia, you got a property purchase tax. That is onerous. Tens of thousands of dollars. Why? Because you bought a home. Holy smokes. Uh, you know, on that. The list is really a long one, though. You know, uh, regulations. Uh, we had uh, a report out. Again, I'm looking at the Vancouver area just for a second. But looking at the report of what government adds to the cost of a new condo. And it was 20, 25 percent of the cost. You know, because it might be zoning restrictions. I see how did one a report very recently, a month ago or so, but talking about that restrictions on housing actually increase the price of houses because you couldn't increase supply with this demand coming in. I mean, it's all over the map, but I mean, I, I, and again, I'm not trying to put words in your oath. I can't think of a bigger F I would put <laughs> on our three levels of government if we were grading them. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fair comment that, because you're right, the government's want affordable housing and they want, you know, both, both the market and, you know, social housing providers to keep housing affordable. But then there's all of these things that they do to push costs up. And they, uh, so here in Ontario, you know, we have, uh, you know, land transfer taxes. It's kind of the mm -hmm. same idea. We have very high development charges, particularly on apartments. You know, we say, okay, we want more rental apartments, but uh, development charges tend to be high on that as, as well as property taxes. You know, there's a variety of different regulations. So we might have, you know, in cities, you have minimum lot sizes. So it's like, well, okay, land is expensive. And you're saying, okay, every, every home has to have a minimum amount of land, regardless of whether or not mm -hmm. it needs it. 
that's going to push those costs up. So yeah, you get this kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth, where it's like on the one hand, they say, okay, you've got to keep things affordable. You got to keep costs down. But then on the other hand, you know, you just layer in taxes and regulations that all push the cost back up. It's, you know, it is this lack of policy coherence and not just between orders of government, but within the same government. Uh, your point about the immigration targets or lack of even a target for a student visa or a work visa, uh, you know, it's so important. But I'm still astounded that they've been talking about this stuff for 10 years or 20 years. You know, I mean, it's a huge timeline getting worse all the time. No coordination between three levels, but no coordination even in the the, the stats for immigration or, as, I, as you say, uh, like the student visa, for example. When I get a student visa, is it just simply restricted to me? Because I know at times it used to be I could bring family members in. So it wasn't just the number of student visas we had to house. Yeah, so there are there are programs uh, for for people to bring in family members. So it's so it's not necessarily automatic, but uh, but that does that does happen. Um, and we should recognize that on a student visa, you know, that will also allow um, after graduation for them to stay up to three years in a postgraduate work permit program. And I actually think there's a lot of sense to this. You know, the genesis of this actually goes goes back to the Harper government, and I actually think. The, the core idea is incredibly sensible. The core, core idea is this, that we've always had problems in this country with foreign credential recognition, right? We, if somebody immigrates over mm-hmm. from some school we've never heard of and, and employers are like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. And, you know, they haven't had much experience on the ground. So the government basically came up with this idea. It's like, well, instead of having people come over at age 28 or 29, why not have them come over at 18? And then they can they can go to a UBC or a Conestoga College, what have you, uh-huh. get their degree, get their diploma, get three years of Canadian work experience, then get permanent residency. I actually think that's really smart. But like mo- a lot of things that government does, the, the, the fall down is on the implementation side, right? So it's at its core a fantastic idea, but we haven't really thought through it's like okay well if we're bringing in people 10 years earlier what does that mean for our housing needs and also what does it mean when you know we're bringing in eight or nine hundred thousand international students but we've only got five hundred thousand immigration uh spots that means a lot of people who are coming over are expecting to get permanent residency someday Uh and and may not get it so it's, it's not great for the students and it's not necessarily great for us it just comes back to that classic government problem of good idea, the fall downs on the implementation. Uh, and lots of examples of that also. <laughs> but let me come to, uh, does anything jump out when I ask what's the myth regarding this whole issue of, uh, you know, obviously the supply isn't meeting the demand. We've got more demand coming. And we saw the, the, the new housing minister uh, you know, talk this week, well, I'm not going to change any of our targets that way. You know, <laughs> I mean, so, okay, the problem's going to get worse because there's nobody saying we're building enough at this, you know, whether it's CMHC or, uh, you know, TD Bank's done studies, other banks have done it, you know, nobody's building enough. So this is only going to get worse. But uh, are there any myths when we look towards solutions or the problem that just jump away at you when you read it and you sort of go, oh my gosh, you know, your eyes are rolling? <laughs> 
Yeah, and I feel like some of these myths are, are getting burst over time. That that reality is smacking our, our us in the face a little bit. So, you know, if we were having this discussion two or, or three years ago, that people would say, "Well, no, it's not a supply problem. It's uh, it's a we, we just have you know millions and millions of vacant homes." And you know, we never the data never really supported that. But we've done things like like here in Ottawa, where I am. You know, we've we've imposed uh, vacant home tax, and I actually think uh, you know in and Vancouver we, too, and in Vancouver yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you guys were first, and that just kind of propagated across the country. Didn't really accomplish much. Um, so there was that one. Um, there was the one during the pandemic where you know it's like okay, yeah, things are bananas now, but that's just because of low interest rates, and once the interest rates go back up, everything will be fixed. And I don't want to downplay the role of interest rates. Because absolutely, interest rates played a role in, in price escalation, at least on the ownership side. But we got the high interest rates now, but I'm not seeing much in the way of uh, cost savings. And I'm just mm-hmm. a little bit better. My mortgage just renewed and went up about 1400 bucks a month. So this wow. is, yeah, yeah. This is, and, and, and for me, and this was a mortgage from 2019. I, I didn't even get the low interest rates during the pandemic. This was just a four-year that flipped over, four-year fixed. So... You know, I, I think there was that idea that, you know, oh, this is just this is just greedy investors or that kind of thing. But, you know, if you look across the country, you know, it's like prices aren't going up that much in Manitoba and they're going up a lot in southwestern Ontario. Are people in London, Ontario, really that much greedier than people in Winnipeg? You know, is that is that the sort of issue? Or might it be that that London, Ontario's population is growing quickly and Winnipeg's isn't? So, so I think, you know, once you start digging into this data, that a lot of these stories that we've been hearing for years that, oh, it's just this one thing. And if we correct that thing, everything will be fine, have turned out not to be the case. Well, and, and let's look to solutions at this point. I mean, first of all, obviously, there's not going to be any easy solutions, you know. And this is a problem that I'm reading about, though, in other jurisdictions, too, outside of our country, you know, maybe not the same causes. I don't know. You know, I follow more our immigration, our student visas, our work visas closer than I do anything going on in the UK, for example, although they've just had a huge drop in their uh, housing prices, at least, you know. But again, and I'm, I'm so also focused on rentals, though the unaffordability, unavailability of rentals, because that's when I think you really get social uh, upheaval. And and that's dangerous for us. Uh, Is it as straightforward as saying on the very short term, we should restrict the number of visas, restrict the the amount of immigration or something along that, because there's just no way supply is going to, it's bad enough now, it's just going to get worse. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I, I think we need to take a, I would call a three track strategy. So mm-hmm. on, the, on the first track would be on the demand side. So I do think we should scale back on on international students and just allow that that growth. And actually, to be honest, I think that would be worth doing even if it didn't have much of a housing impact, because I'm worried that this might be, in fact, a bit of a bubble. And when it bursts, you might have a bunch mm-hmm. of colleges and universities go insolvent. So I don't think it's fantastic that our higher education system has become so reliant on a single source of revenue, which could disappear overnight. So I think we need to do things on the demand side. We need to be doing far more on the supply side and that's all three orders of government. So, you know, that's, that's things like zoning and the approvals process here in Ontario. We had a, a task force report that the Ford government put together with 55 recommendations that were really quite good. Government's implemented some, but there's a whole lot more to go. And then on the federal side, there's actually a lot, despite what we might have heard from the prime minister this week, there's a lot that's in uh, the federal 
uh, mandate. So one example would be back in the 1960s, uh, we had, um, this is actually probably the right audience for this, this discussion. Um, we had some really nice provisions in the tax code for people who built apartments. Mm -hmm. Sure. Like, yeah. So, so basically what it was an accelerated capital cost allowance. So you build an apartment building and you got to depreciate that faster on your taxes. And then the really nice thing is you got to keep the benefits of that depreciation after you sold so long as you reinvested the proceeds in a new building. So what would happen would be developers would build a big tower and you go to any city and you see those big concrete towers from the sixties, they were built with these provisions, you build a tower, own it, run it for about three to four years and then flip it, build another one. We got a lot of apartment buildings built that way. So that's something the federal government can do is just reintroduce some 2023 version of that. That would get a lot of shovels in the ground. So I think those three things, you know, looking at the demand, oh, and I haven't said the third. And I think the third is actually just giving more cash benefits to low-income households. Mm -hmm. um, help them help them pay the rent. Because they're just, you know, you look at food bank lines and homelessness, like every every all of those social indicators are just moving in the wrong direction. And we need to we need to help people out. So a demand side fix, a supply side fix some extra cash, and then just having all three orders of government just working together and actually coordinating, I think that would, would go a long way to start start to address. If I ask you to put a probability on and you know that happening, uh, see, my observation is uh, I think those are great suggestions and, and, and so necessary. God, how many times have I said the three levels of government got to work together, you know, and it hasn't it hasn't happened in a meaningful way. And as you say, this week, the prime minister decided after running on affordable housing, you know, for eight years. Well, that's not really a. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't say it with a straight face. It's not, you know, a, a federal responsibility. I thought that wasn't very promising. Uh, you know, some of the ideas that really worry me that are coming out, you know, the the new, I forget what they call housing advocate, the federal level says let rent control. Well, you know what, that's failed every, everywhere that's been tried for rental housing. Gonna, and that will discourage supply. And I'm worried a whole bunch of bad ideas are going to come because this problem is going to be exacerbated, intensified. You know, because we know the numbers coming in or we don't know this, as you pointed out. And it's yeah, yeah, so don't. important. We don't know the visa, no, the student <laughs> visa coming in, worker visa, but we know the immigration targets. Uh, you know, I, I'm just sort of at the stage where I'm throwing up my hands. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think that that is a concern. And we've, we've seen that before, like some of the, um, the, the, the foreign buyers regulations that were put in by the federal government. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden those had to be clawed back because you had a bunch of apartment investors saying, Oh, look now I can't, I can't get foreign investment in it. Like I can't, I can't raise capital because, yeah. you know, I had this money coming in from Italy or wherever to do this hybrid, uh, uh, you know, apartment building that had first floor commercial. And now I can't do it anymore because of these, these regs. So, yeah, I, I do uh, worry about that. You know, we have here in Ontario, we have rent control and, you know, rents in my hometown of London, Ontario still went up 25% a year because rent control doesn't do anything. Like if you're a, a new student coming in, right, like like the idea of rent control is that it protects the uh, renter who already lives in the place. But in Ontario, we have a very transient population of, you know, people moving around and, and, you know, new students coming in. So it doesn't really help them at all. So I am concerned that, you know, we may land on some bad solutions. But I actually do think there is some optimism. I, I wouldn't mm -hmm. be surprised 
if the government moves on something like the accelerated capital cost allowance idea. We've had uh, Premier Ford here in Ontario talk of, uh, ask the federal government to re- remove the GST on new rental construction. I think that's a good idea. And I think that may end up uh, may end up happening. So, you know, I do have some optimism, um, but, you know, the, the, I think we have two questions. Right? Like, one, will they do the, the right solutions? And then two, will these solutions fall down on the implementation side? Yeah. And again, can they, I mean, we've waited so long to talk, not to talk about, to handle this problem. We had the immigration numbers on just the recent ones, you know, for three years, and then we broke those records too. You know, we've known the problem of the demand coming out of student, uh, student visas, as an example. None of this is a surprise, and they've taken so long. So my worry, I, I, I'm with you. I, can be, I, I think they're going to be forced into some things, and provincially they'll handle that, I think, sooner than federally. But they'll be forced into some things. But the pain in the meantime, is going to be extreme. I mean, we're going to, we are approaching extremes right now when you read about bringing in new people into the country and they've got no place to live and they're on the streets in some places. You know, uh, the tent cities that have exploded in many centers, uh, you know, across the country, et cetera, et cetera. It's not like we're not seeing the ramifications of not having uh, a more practical policy approach to this multifaceted challenge. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, I think there is optimism. There are things, there's some good solutions being pre- presented. I just don't have a lot of faith uh, that we're not going to have a real problem. That's going to force those solutions. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I find that lost time uh, frustrating because we could, let, let's say either the provincial government here in Ontario decided that it wanted to limit international student enrollment or the federal government decided it would limit it by, by limiting visas. That really doesn't do anything for us until summer of 2024, right? Mm-hmm. Because because of, of you know the, the the university and college cycle. Right. So so the fact that we didn't act a few months ago when we could have, uh, I, I think is highly problematic. So yeah, I would absolutely agree that like I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that we're moving in the right direction, but this, this amount of time we've lost over the last few years is just made this hole like so much larger to get out of than, than it really needed to be. And I think, uh, you know, the public needs to be informed, needs to be part of this conversation. And that's why uh, I highly recommend that they check uh, Mike P. Moffat on Twitter, at Mike P. Moffat, capital M, capital P, capital M, <laughs> on Twitter. And, and uh, again, the links you do to f- research and the work you're doing, the thoughts you have, I think is just really a valuable contribution to this I think, essential discussion. Uh, so, Mike, thanks so much for finding time to us. And I, I already want to put you on the hook. We got to visit again in the near future. Obviously a huge subject. We got to touch on it. Yeah, a- anytime. Always uh, happy to chat.